so I took time and I went into my own little place of solitude and silence where I began to think what's really going to matter for time and for eternity and it occurred to me that discipleship is actually my eternal vocation. Discipleship isn't something that I just am doing on this side of eternity just for the here and the now, but discipleship is actually my eternal calling. What is your eternal job description? And what is really important in life? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is part three of a series of six podcasts recorded at a Navigator Men's Retreat in Bartlesville, Oklahoma in 2021. Today we have the privilege of hearing the story of Dr. Chris Majors, a dentist in Wichita, Kansas. Chris shares from his heart how God brought a couple of men into his life to help him grow in his faith. This led to his discovery that he was called to make disciples, not only here and now, but indeed for all of eternity. Let's listen to his story about how COVID-19 caused him to do something very dramatic in his life, to give up his dental practice and be devoted to helping others grow in their spiritual lives. Well, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Chris Majors, and I am um, a husband, father, and disciple. Not in that order necessarily, but uh, I am not retired. I'm 50 years old and I have left my clinical practice of dentistry after practicing 23 years to kind of zoom in on the things that really matter most. Uh, My father passed away at the age of 46 and when I hit 46 I was like wow you know he seems so old when I was 24 and he passed away and when when a guy starts to get closer to 50 he starts to realize wow you know the preciousness of time You brought that up. You brought it. We've all talked about time and the role, the preciousness of time and the importance of redeeming it. And it was during COVID, during the time of the virus, which is still lingering today, but it was during the heart of 2020 that the Kansas Department of Health shut my office down for five weeks. They said, you cannot see routine dental care. Well, I'm a general dentist, so I do routine dental care. (laughs) Okay, so what do I do? Well, you can see emergencies. Okay, so, well, my staff won't be able to work PRN, which means on-call every one. I mean, I only get a few emergencies, true emergencies a week. So what is the definition of emergency? And so and I said, well, wouldn't it make more sense if we actually kept taking care of people to keep them out of the emergency rooms? And so, I mean, none of this is a political statement. It's just me trying to be realistic clear. And I have a payroll to make, okay? I'm living in the real life of, wow, you know, I have payroll and I have to keep the lights on and and I have to think about families and I have to think about the patients that I see in terms of taking care of their, their oral needs. And so it was during that time that I said, you know what? I haven't had a sabbatical. I've been in practice for 22 years at that point. I'm going to graciously receive this five weeks. So I shut her down. I kept paying my staff, and I said, we need to take time. So I took time, and I went into my own little place of solitude and silence 
where I began to think, what's really going to matter for time and for eternity? And it occurred to me that discipleship is actually my eternal vocation. Discipleship isn't something that I just am doing on this side of eternity just for the here and the now. But discipleship is actually my eternal calling. That is my vocation. I'm not called necessarily to be a dentist forever. I mean, right? I I realized there's not going to be disease and decay in heaven, is there? (laughs) I may be unemployed. (laughs) So there's no dentures in heaven. So maybe I ought to think about my eternal vocation, which is discipleship. And it was during that time I felt a deep impression a deep impression that um, God wanted me to understand union with Christ. Okay, I'm going to back up just for a second. When I was 18 years old, I had a gentleman who moved to town and he drove around the high school that I was attending, Northwest High School in Wichita, Kansas. And he was driving around and he prayed, Lord, send me to one young man so that I can invest in him and I can get to know him and share the good news of the gospel with this young man. Well, fast forward a couple weeks after his prayer, he came to the Friday night football game where there's this little chubby fat kid named Chris playing center on the football team on the Friday night. And this kid was going through some tough times because his parents had just gotten a divorce uh, parents were separated. I was trying to make my way as a senior in high school, and thinking about life then was really challenging because I wanted to go to college, I wanted to be successful, but I didn't have the money, I didn't have the 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 parent parental involvement at that time that would allow me to to think about my future. And lo and behold, this gray-haired gentleman, at the time was about the age I am now, uh, came up to me. And he said, Chris, it it appears as though you're kind of a neat guy. You're on the football team. You sing in the concert choir, and you're on the golf team. I'd like to get to know you a little better. I said, okay. (laughs) Uh, What do you have in mind? And he said, well, I'd like to buy you a Coke sometime. Let's go have a Coke. All right. How about next week? Great. So we met, and he just shared with me that, Uh, things about life, and he wanted to get to know me better. And then he wondered, have I ever taken a look at the Bible? And I said, no, I really hadn't. And so through a period of about eight weeks, he led me to the Lord, and he taught me the scriptures. And it was through that time that I received Christ as my Savior. And I went off to college. I was able to graduate from KU. Sorry about that. And I went on to study at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Dentistry, I graduated, got married, and jumped right into practice. And it was at that time that I met another gray-haired gentleman who happened to come alongside me at a men's retreat at Eastminster Church. And he said he was speaking on discipleship. And I knew I'd never heard. I'd heard the gospel, but I'd never really connected the gospel to discipleship. I I knew that there was good news and I was going to be saved and I was going to go to heaven when I died, but I really had never made a connection to what it means to be a disciple. See, I knew I was a Presbyterian, but I didn't know I was a disciple. And so um, 
Dr. Spann, who the gray-haired gentleman at the speak, he was speaking at a discipleship conference. It was so amazing. I went up to him. I said, you know, I never made that connection before. I I didn't know that Jesus didn't say, now therefore go and make Presbyterians. I, he said, go and make disciples. And he goes, you're right on. He goes, I would like to spend some time with you. I said, okay. So we started meeting, and now 20 years later, I sit here as a disciple of Jesus that I've sat at the feet of Dr. Spann. You're going to hear a lot about him, but the reason is because he really believed that what he believed was really real. See, he didn't see a, a divide. He didn't divide his life into two halves, the one part secular and the other part sacred. He saw that everywhere he would go, he was a disciple of Jesus, learning from him how to live his life as Jesus would live his life if he were Dr. Spann. See, he didn't, he didn't see that division between the secular and the sacred. He saw that the work he was doing in medicine as a pulmonary specialist was actually kingdom work, where he was seeing the resident that he met with as a, a worker in the kingdom, not just a doctor. And then when he met me, he didn't see just a dentist. He saw a worker in the kingdom. Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so as he would go, he would make disciples. And so today, it's our turn. That's why we're here. It's our turn to, as we go, not see that division between the sacred and the secular, but as we go, whether we're fishermen, (laughs) uh, farmers, bankers, consultants, or dentists, no matter what you do, we're all workers in the kingdom. And so... Dr. Dennis did a phenomenal job kind of helping us with priorities. And so I'm going to kind of make an attempt here to move from priorities into focus. And there's a whole lot out there about focus. There's some really neat books out there, but they are books that don't really help us think about focus in terms of what it means to be a disciple. And where I, during that time of the virus, got a little more focus in my life, was when I read John 15, 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, now let's listen for one moment. For apart from me, I think it says you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Here we go. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciple. So it was during the time of the virus that I realized, wow, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciple. 
And so how do I live into that? I'm, trying, I'm going to try to go deep into the concrete ways in which we can actually begin to live into the flow of abiding, nourishing from the vine. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So if we remain in him and he remains in us, we begin to live into a place in which I'll call the discipleship model of focus. And the way I began to do that was in engaging the practices of solitude and silence. So the four practices I'm going to bring up today are solitude, silence, simplicity, and surrender. Those are the ways in which we can become more intimate with God, where we can begin to live in his life and his life lives in us, where there's that union. And my whole goal today in coming to Bartlesville was to say, you know, might we become men who see discipleship and union with Christ as one thing, that the gospel is about union with Christ and discipleship and union is very, very much the message of John 15:8. And so focus, to do so, a lot of the things that those, the world tells you about focus is about, you know, thinking about your, your life in terms of how can I be more successful. But I'm not going there. Where I'm going is when in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus said, Repent, excuse me, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, I didn't know this until a few years ago, but the Greek word for repent comes from the word metanoia. And metanoia or metanoete means think about your thinking. Think about your life in terms of who I am in the kingdom of God. Think about your thinking. So I began to think about, well, what am I been thinking about? Because interestingly, our thoughts affect so many parts of our life. If you know, if you think of Paul's writing in Romans chapter 8, it says, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And so the discipleship model that I'm propping up here, when Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life. life and have it more abundantly. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciple. And so the mind pleasing to God, you know, I'm still, I, I don't know that we'll ever fully know this on this side of eternity, but when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And in, in the Old Testament, there's passages that refer to that we have an understanding mind to serve others in order to discern good and evil so that we're not men who are cooperating with evil, but we're cooperating with good. For you see, the mind is that first place. It's that place where we have the power to select what we let our minds dwell upon. So the mind is the place in which we have freedom to, to dwell on 
good and evil. And so we need to be men who are actually dwelling with God and having the mind of Christ. And I've never thought of this in my life, and lately I've just been taking up this notion that can we think with God in our prayer life? I mean, can we become the kind of people who we are thinking his thoughts and where he is speaking to us? Like we talked earlier about making decisions. And and I, we all want to know, okay, Lord, guide me in this and guide me in that. But God is the God who who wants to be all that we need. And I just want to propose that that I'm really interested and I don't know, does anyone have any thoughts about the role of the mind in spiritual life? So one thing we have freedom in we can choose. It's our way to choose is what we think about. Exactly. And if we think about the wrong things, we become a slave. Right, right. Ephesians 4 says we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Wow, that's good. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve God's good and perfect and pleasing will mind renewal you know the mind is where the battle is isn't it but if you have believed in Jesus for eternal life according to John 3:16 then you have the mind of Christ 1 Corinthians 2:16 even though you and I often struggle in keeping our minds pure and focused on that which we know we should focus on, yet since we have the supernatural union with Christ, we have the ability and power to be transformed by mind renewal. I know you won't want to miss part two of Dr. Major's story and teaching as he helps us make disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.